censorious thug. One thing to be a keyboard warrior, and I think most of the time that's me. What I mean by that is I'm in a studio, maybe I'm typing on Twitter, but I'm not in any physical risk. If I'm brave, well, it's easy to be brave when you're on this side of a keyboard or a phone. But what about if you're in the world? And once in a while I do get out of the office. But what if you go out into the world and literally wear on your body a billboard, a sandwich board, as they used to be called, stating blunt truths that are politically incorrect? And what if you go into the world's most progressive places wearing this billboard on your person, saying things like no one was born in the wrong body or children should not be on puberty blockers. These are comments, of course, about the transgenderism out there. What if you were to physically go out into some of the most, quote, progressive cities like that and engage with all your critics? Well, that is a very rare sort of courage, not just an emotional courage, but a physical courage, because as I don't need to tell you, the left, when confronted by a narrative that they don't agree with, well, their response these days is not often to debate, but rather to cancel. And if you're standing there in person canceling you, is at the very least screaming at you and too often assaulting you. By now, I think you probably know who I'm talking about. His name is Chris Elston. He lives in one of those progressive cities, Vancouver, but he travels around the world with his simple message and one by one tries to win over hearts and minds. And he joins us now back at his home in Vancouver. Chris Elston, also known as Billboard Chris. Great to see you again. Thank you so much, Ezra. It's been a fun time since we chatted last. I've been all over the United States. I've been to Philadelphia, New Jersey, Florida. I just got back from Chicago. I was at the Republican debate in Milwaukee, making some good friends there. So I'm having fun spreading the good word. Yeah, well, it's, it's a, it takes a special person to go into the lion's den. I saw one of the interactions in Chicago. Chicago is a very Democrat city. Now, it's got a, there's a certain conservative sensibility too. city of broad shoulders, windy city, you know, butcher shop to the world. It has sort of a, uh, there's a tradition there too, but it is very Democrat. That's the home of Barack Obama and Oprah. Tell me a little bit about what you were doing in Chicago, what your billboard says. And by the way, we've got a couple of clips from your journeys around America that will show just to show people exactly what it is that you do. But give me a little bit of a warm up for what you were doing in Chicago and why you were there. Sure. So I had been up in Milwaukee, which is just a couple hours north for the debate and for a few events beforehand, because really exciting news. I'm going to be working with this conservative organization called the Leadership Institute mm. going forward. And I'm going to be speaking at formal events inside of universities all throughout the United States, doing town halls and things like that. So that's very exciting. I'm sure some mini riots will break out at these universities and the left will do exactly what we want, which is generate all sorts of media. Hmm. But I was just up the road. So I thought, well, I'm in town. Let's go down to Chicago for a few days and do my thing out on the streets. And they also have a children's hospital there called the Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. This is one of really four main gender clinics across the U.S. going way back more than a decade. This is a clinic funded by Jennifer Pritzker, who is one of the billionaires who has been funding this 
going back a long time. He's a man who now says he's a woman. He, of course, is the cousin of J.B. Pritzker, who's the governor of Illinois. So I went to that children's hospital and had some conversations outside there. Started thousands of conversations inside the hospital because, of course, they all see me outside. So what I'm trying to do is educate one person at a time. I combine that with social media where these videos are now seen oftentimes more than a million times. But then it's also the conversations I start out on the street that I'm not necessarily a part of. All of this leads to creating awareness about what's going on. So that's why I went to Chicago. And as usual, when you go outside, good things happen. Yeah. You know what? We, we think that way sometimes here at Rebel News. I mean, you can be in the studio with your set piece speech. I guess that's what I do in my monologues. But when you go into the world and interact with real people, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to say uh, or what they're going to say. It really... and. And it is sort of a missionary approach um, to, to go, put your best foot forward, and try and talk to people one at a time. Hey, Chris, how many people would you estimate that you've spoken with over all the dozens of times you've hit the streets? I, I'm guessing it would be in the thousands. Yeah, I, I've probably been out on the street. My best estimate is probably about 2,500 hours out on the streets and university campuses. So probably 20,000 conversations. Some of them are short. Of course, there's many more interactions than that, but I've heard everything that the left has to say, and really they only ever have the same two or three things to say. I sometimes call this the gender wars attack of the clones because it's the same exact argument every single time. All they have to say is that kids are gonna kill themselves if you don't let them transition. This is the number one argument they always say. It's a mm -hmm. despicable mani manipulation. It's mm -hmm. used to coerce parents to go along with this. They're told you can have a dead son or a trans daughter. Yeah. These people believe that puberty blockers are reversible, which of course is not true. Time is not reversible. If you stop a child from going through their natural development for years, they don't get to go back to when they were 10 years old and resume going through puberty. Those years of development are gone. And there's a few other arguments that these people come up with, but uh, it's very helpful to go out on the street. You see a totally different perspective than you would just online. And I think as humans, we evolved to talk to each other one-on-one. -on -one. And I think it's still really important that we do this in the real world, not just online, where we're in our echo chambers. So that's why I started going outside to do this, because I think it's really effective at spreading the word to people who would otherwise never hear any of this. I think you're exactly right. Um, and it's not surprising to me that your critics have like two or three message tracks. And because because it's all they've heard. And once they've said them, they feel, okay, I, I, I did my duty as a good progressive person. I said what I've heard a hundred times, but they've never heard the reaction or the response to it. So if you press them with a supplemental question, they're not, they don't have a depth there. They're just, oh, I've heard this line. Here's what to say. I've said them, but they, I would imagine that once they've pushed play on those little audio tracks in their mind, they, they really don't have a lot to go back go on because I don't think there's a depth of I don't think they've really thought this through. I think, oh, this is the latest thing. You know, it's like yeah. Black Lives Matter or a Ukraine flag on their Twitter avatar. This is the new thing. Global warming, transgender. Let me just pick up a few talking points so I sound au courant and fashionable. I think that people have not thought these things through deeply. Would you say that's generally true, Chris? They haven't thought this through at all, Ezra. So my I have a couple tactics, really, that I use. One is to ask questions. What does it mean for a girl to be a boy? Right, right. Right away, nobody can answer that. Right. What is a transgender child? Right. 
in three years, Ezra, no one can give me a definition. And I'll say things that they agree with as well. The people who are more hostile or maybe on the fence. If you say things that these people agree with, first of all, you're, you're accomplishing a couple of things. You're dropping down some barriers that they have where right. they think you're evil right. and you're some terrible person. Because if you say something like, look, I don't think we should put these kids in some stereotypical box. All these kids are beautiful just as they are. There's no right way to be a girl or a boy. They all will agree with that. And so right there, you've broken down this wall. And you show you you've care. Also, you show you're not a hard-hearted monster, that you're motivated yeah. by the same things that they would like to claim they're motivated by. That's right. And you've confused them at this moment, which is honestly a great result of any of these conversations with the activists who are pushing this. Because you've created at that moment this cognitive dissonance where there's now two competing ideas in their brain. Mm -hmm. They thought you were some evil bigot. Mm -hmm. Now you just said something loving and true. Mm -hmm. And it is true. And it is loving. Mm -hmm. And they can't help but disagree with it. So now they're very confused. So they're going to have to go home and look up what you actually believe. And maybe they'll start questioning a little bit more. Because I do see this as something akin to a cult. And with all cults, you never get anyone out just by telling them that they're wrong. They have to start questioning this themselves. And that's how they eventually come out of it. Because let's face it, these people are mostly victims who then become the recruiters. It's a lot of young women who, as girls, were led to believe that this was the compassionate approach to take and that they were saving kids' lives by transitioning them. But it's all a lie. So they're not all inherently evil. Yes, some of these people are, for sure. But most of them have just been indoctrinated. So there's no point just fighting with these people. You have to find a source of agreement. You know, I was in the UK a, a month or two ago at a conference, and I heard something I'd never really heard before, and maybe that just shows that I'm not as well-read as I ought to be, but it was a gay man, he was with the Gay Men's Network, uh, and he said that transgenderism is, in its essence, anti-gay. And I thought, what are you talking about? He said, um, if he had grown up in this era, Instead of just being gay, they would have said, no, you are in the wrong body, you're a woman, and they would have chopped him up. And, and he says the T in LGBT is essentially opposite to the L and the G. And, right. and he was so furious with two parts of it. First of all, the mutilation, and, and, and second of all, the focus on children. And to, I was just astonished to hear these things. I hadn't heard them before. Um, I don't know. I thought I would share that with you because it's, I, th I think the idea that you're born in the wrong body is so bizarre and novel. And, and we don't think through what that means all the way. What, what do you think of that? I mean, may, maybe yeah. your old hat, that's old hat to you, but that was <laughs> the first time I heard it put so passionately and by a gay man. Yeah, no, I talk about this all the time. If you look at all the studies into gender dysphoria, which is really just self-loathing, and going way back before they gave kids puberty-blocking drugs, there's about 12 different academic studies, and all of these studies into children with gender dysphoria, back when this affected a handful of kids, all these studies show the same results. More than 80% of these kids just outgrew it when they went through puberty, and a majority grew up to be gay. This used to affect boys way more than girls. Now that's completely flipped. It's three to one girls versus boys. But yes, a lot of these kids would grow up to be gay, really effeminate little boys. It makes a bit of sense. Now, because this ideology hinges on one thing only, regressive stereotypes, 
these kids who defy these stereotypes, who are a little bit different, are now being led to believe that they must be trans. They must have been born in the wrong body. What a psychologically abusive thing to tell a child that you're born wrong. This makes no sense at all. We should be telling them they're beautiful just as they are. But this is the worst possible messaging ever. So I always tell people, when you play this pronoun game, if you're a teacher and you're going along with all this pronoun business with these kids, every time you call a girl a boy, you call her he, him, you're sending her this message that she was born wrong and that she should be something that she's not. This is an abusive ideology right from the very get-go. The whole thing needs to be abolished. Yeah, I think you're right. Wow. You know, um, Bill Maher, who's quite a progressive, he's progressive on sexual things. He's progressive on drugs. Like, he really is an essential California liberal. But he had a, a segment, this was a few months ago now, where he said, look, this is a social contagion. This is a, a fashion. This is um, a peer pressure. Here, let me play a clip of that where he notes that the number of transgender kids depends on if there's someone in the school pushing that ideology. He, he, he implies what I think we all know, which is that this is an artificially constructed phenomenon. You could call it a fad. Here's a throwback to Bill Maher on, uh, on his liberal program. Take a look. And if you haven't noticed that with kids doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. Dr. Erica Anderson is a prominent 71-year-old clinical psychologist who is herself transgender and who now says, I think it's gone too far. The LA Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. <laughs> it... It's like that day we suddenly all needed bottled water all the time. If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. Well, I, I think that's sort of obvious. I don't think he's saying anything there that, that's not true. But I want to throw one more clip at you, Chris. And this is when Blaine Higgs, the premier of New Brunswick, said he wants parents to be informed of when their kids at school, kids under 16, by the way, um, is what he was targeting. If they start changing their pronouns, changing their names, changing their gender, parents should be informed of what's going on with their kids. And, I, and we just saw the Angus Reid poll that shows more than 80% of people in this province agree with them. Here's how Rosemary Barton of the CBC responded. She was outraged that he would suggest that being transgender is trendy. 
She was outraged that anyone would say it was anything other than the absolute truth. Here's a clip of that. You used some language yesterday in, in the legislature that, I, I, frankly, I'm not sure Premier actually helped the conversation. You talked about gender dysphoria becoming, quote, popular and trendy. You said, we have a situation that's growing because there's acceptance that this is fine. Do you think that those are appropriate comments? It, 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 do you have a problem with the idea of gender dysphoria? Well, my my position, uh, Rosemary, is not the not the issue in that sense. My my position as a grandfather and as a father is that I think that that kids in especially these vulnerable years in elementary school years, uh, you know, are are let's say you know toddlers being being exposed to well, I may not be a boy or girl. Um, that that is the role that parents need to play. Well, those are very formative years, and and so how do we ensure that? Everyone understands yeah. what is being presented, what's in the school system, and then and then we work through it. Sure, I think sure, but I, I guess I'm wondering, Premier, if your personal views are influencing your, your policy decisions, because it sounds like they are. No, Rosemary, it's not about my personal views at all. It, it's about um, a role as a parent and a grandparent um, and thinking about um, my, my grandchildren now that would be attending school and, and the fact that her parents would would not know um, what what she was uh, being taught or okay. what information was being supplied. Because I think most parents, you know, take for granted that the school system is doing them everything that they would approve of. But there's so many things that parents are asked to have their consent on. So many things, and yet gender identity is is not one of them. I think that she was so sensitive to that, Chris because she wants to believe, no, 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 it's in your body, it's in your genes, you, you can't, this is the way you are, you're in the wrong body, and like, I think, and if anyone, you know, the emperor has no clothes, if Premier Higgs or Bill Maher said, no, this is a mind virus, no, 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 it's not, it's real, we've got to get these kids on puberty blockers. That was the thing the CBC was most angry about, the fact that the Premier said, no, this is a social contagion. What do you think of that? It's 100% a social contagion. This mirrors all sorts of social contagions from the past, which historically do affect teenage girls. They're very prone to this. If you look at bulimia, it was the same thing. A handful of girls were experiencing, experiencing bulimia until this was named as a condition. It was written about in the magazines. And as soon as they made this a big deal, well, it spread like wildfire. And this current social contagion we have, this trans epidemic, mirrors a previous contagion we had, also of a pseudoscientific quackery, something called the lobotomy. This is the lobotomy 2.0. That was also popularized by the media, just as this is, except this is a much bigger deal because this is affecting hundreds of thousands of children yeah. who have nothing wrong with them other than maybe they're having a bit of a hard time in life right now because naturally puberty and growing up yeah. is a difficult time. And it's but going to be extra, these... extra difficult in the age of Instagram and TikTok where there's all, where peer pressure is just magnified. And, but what's crazy is on Instagram and TikTok are these transgender influencers pushing these kids towards it. TikTok and Instagram are bad enough for grownups. I can only imagine what they're like if you're a 14-year-old kid who's a little awkward and who isn't awkward when you're a teen and someone's saying, no, 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 you're in the wrong body, get things chopped off and go on these meds. I think it's got to be atrociously hard to be a kid these days. And then you've got a guidance counselor, or a sex ed teacher pushing that on you and saying, Psst, don't tell your parents. We won't tell your parents. That's madness. Yeah, this is the practice all across Canada. Now, as you mentioned, we've got New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, 
they want to do away with this policy of hiding from parents that their own child has a new name and pronouns. Mm -hmm. And the education minister in Ontario said the same thing just the other day. Right. So this is huge progress that they're even talking about this right. because no one dared to even mention this a year ago. Right. And of course, there's going to be some pushback. And of course, some of these politicians are going to chicken out and they're not going to enforce these policies. But this is how it starts. So this is good news no matter which way you cut it. But I find it interesting with New Brunswick when their conservative premier said, no, we need to stop hiding this from parents. Some of his own cabinet ministers revolted. And we have this same issue with the federal conservative party where Pierre Poiliev is a bit between a rock and a hard place because he knows that he needs to start talking about these issues, yeah. but he's very careful to never discuss gender because if he does, he'll also have a revolt from yeah. some of his own party members. You but know, they can't ignore this forever. That revolt in New Brunswick, I, I followed that you know, from afar, but they were talking tough because those mutineers, they were getting such positive feedback on Twitter and from the CBC. But I think when they went home to their districts, in New Brunswick, which is actually a fairly socially conservative place, I think they got an attitude readjustment and they sort of all backed down. And that Angus Reid poll shows why. If I'm going from memory, 86% of New Brunswickers supported the premier on this. Because what parent, like, I mean, Jonathan Kay uh, had a tweet the other day saying, you know, this is really a choice between who knows how to raise their kids best parents or a 23-year-old gender studies grad who's now a teacher. Like, like it's so obvious. And um, it may not be obvious if you live in the CBC Twitter, you know, echo chamber, but I am absolutely unsurprised that the mutineers backed down because they realized they would be. I think if there was an election in New Brunswick and if the ballot question was on, if this, if this forced an election, if the number one issue in the election was transgenderism and can parents have, uh, inform, be informed and consent, I think Blaine Higgs would win every seat in the province. And I say that because the Angus Reid poll shows every demographic, both genders, every age, every background says, yeah, this is crazy. Only the crazy people don't see that it's crazy. 100%. And do you know who's conducted the biggest poll in the world with all demographics, Ezra? Who? I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. One at Literally. a time. Yeah, I've spoken to more people than anyone because I've been out on the street for 2,500 hours. I speak to Democrats, liberals. I speak to young people, old people, working class people. And those are deep, that's deeper than just a poll. A poll is like one or two questions. You go deep with Correct. these people. That's right. And with a lot of these polls, you might see a poll that says 70% uh, of people support our position. Well, as soon as you have a two-minute conversation, a lot of these people who just don't understand what gender-affirming care is, they switch right away. What, they just a, don't what get an it. Orwellian euphemism that is, gender affirming care. Well, hey, Chris, I want, I mean, we've been talking a bit. It's great to catch up, but we did bring some of the footage that you have been showing, and I think that's wonderful. I'd like to show uh, our viewers some of what we're talking about. And this first shot is from Chicago. You can tell what a beautiful city with the Chicago really is a gorgeous downtown. It's architecturally incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Let's just take a look at some of a day in the life of Billboard Chris Elston meeting the people. If you truly loved your kids, you'd love them if they were transgender. No such thing as a transgender child. Fuck you. Why don't you come and talk about it? No, you got nothing. You know what? Uh, why don't you come and talk about it? 
No, no, they they didn't really want to talk because they just had Never. a swear for you. Um, how do you? Th I mean, I guess that abuse just washes off you. I guess you're numb to it now, or 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 yeah. maybe you know, you, maybe it's a good sign that someone has some passion but not some knowledge. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I always appreciate the passion, but no, I'm totally numb to all the abuse. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I just use these as an opportunity to help educate others. And that one spot I was standing there on Michigan Avenue, there's a lot of tourists there. There are a lot of locals as well. But I was getting nonstop support, Ezra, which I also like to show people. Right. Because we've been scared into believing that we're not allowed to talk about this. But 90% of the population supports us on this. Of course, if you go to a university campus or some of these liberal areas, you're going to get a lot more abuse. But most of the people agree. You know what? And I'm glad you said that. And and obviously the negative and the hostility is is more entertaining, I suppose, from a visual point of view. But it's important to know that, that most people, the silent majority, are on side. Here, let's play another clip. And, and this is a laughing transgender activist confronting oh, you. This. I think this clip's a little bit longer. Let's take a look. First of all. Time? Ah! Wait, wait, what do you mean? That they're like wasting their time, like acting as a boy? If you block the duration of a child's puberty, they don't get to go back to being 11 again and go through puberty. Well, years are done. Is it, is it like, you mean the social distress of having to go through puberty at a later age? No, I mean the physical development they miss out on. They don't get to go through that again. Once those years of puberty have passed, okay. it's done. These boys end up with micro penises for life. Okay. They don't come off puberty blockers and then go through puberty at the age of 18. I'm curious, in terms of like statistics, like how many children do you have in your mind that are transitioning in this way that is irreversible? I want to hear the numbers. So there's a great Reuters article you can read, actually, okay. if you want to get the exact statistics. Yeah. Tens of thousands of kids are on cross-sex hormones. Several thousand, into the tens of thousands over the years, for sure. So give, hormones Do you want me to answer your question? Uh, cross-sex hormones. No, I'm asking, I'm asking follow-up questions. I want to make sure I'm following what you're saying. Maybe I can just finish what I'm saying first. Okay. Yeah. So tens of thousands on puberty blockers across sex hormones and thousands okay. of minors receiving surgery. Is that surgeries. only puberty blockers for the tens of thousands or is that HRT? I'm curious. So it's for not, H so it's not alone, HRT. HRT is what a menopausal woman does. This no, is HRT. This puberty. isn't hormone replacement. This is putting okay. hormones in a child's body that don't belong there. Okay. I'm curious for puberty blockers only because that's your argument of what's irreversible. Yes. What number of children oh, yeah. are on puberty Several blockers? thousand. Several thousand. Okay. It's in the tens of thousands over the years. Okay, no, 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 no. That's over yeah. the years, sure. Yeah. Right now, currently, you're saying. Well, we don't have exact statistics thousands? on this. This isn't public data. But okay. Reuters worked with Komodo Health, which is a large insurance company. Okay. And they looked at children who used insurance. Okay. And these were also children who had only had an official gender dysphoria diagnosis. So it's leaving out a lot of kids. Sure. But the numbers were in the tens of thousands, and for surgery. So that's for your your definition of cross-sex hormones, though, right? I'm really correct. curious, just for puberty blockers, right? Because yes. that's what you're arguing is yeah. irreversible. Yeah. And you're saying several thousand? Yes, that's right. Okay. Honestly, Go read that's it. not that many. Go read it. <laughs> that's like, yeah, you don't care about many. thousands of kids coming oh, to irreversible I harm. I would prefer, though, I would rather, like, a kid... Well, there's no evidence that's happening either. But you bought this lie. That's all you have is that kids are going to kill themselves, and it's not true. But the statistics are there that like trans youth are. What statistics? I can't name them off. No, you can't. Well, I can. Come on. I can. The only studies that have been done into this, they have never been done on children. The only real studies that have been done into suicidality have been done with the adult population. 
The most comprehensive study we have is out of Sweden, where no one was lost to follow-up, which is always a problem with these more minor studies. Okay. But it showed that 10 years after sex reassignment with the adult population... Sex reassignment as in like a surgical intervention? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Specifically like bottom surgery, yes. top surgery? Okay. So this was okay. 10 years after sex reassignment surgery. Suicides peaked and were 19.1 times higher than their peers. That's after yeah. accounting for mental health comorbidities. So equating apples to apples. If you ignore that more like 40 times higher than their peers. But, you know, so it did nothing to reduce suicidality. Denmark just came out with another study about two months ago, also showing this. All the evidence we have shows that suicides go up, not down, if you transition children. So your argument is just totally useless because there's no evidence for it. But it's always used, every single conversation. Well, uh, you know what I like about that, Chris, is I think you actually were educating her. I think she was putting up a, a brave front and she was pushing back, but I think she was actually listening to you. And I don't think she had considered the things you had said before. And I don't think she understood the effect of puberty blockers and other horrific things. I, I think that although that certainly felt adversarial, and you could see she was recording it on, on her phone as well, so she would listen to it later or maybe post it herself, you were firm uh, and you you didn't let her get away with things, and you insisted on being able to finish. But I I wouldn't say you were rude. You were firm, and it was obviously interesting enough to her that she stayed engaged. And we, we didn't play the whole clip there, obviously. I think that you told her things she had never heard before. You put ideas to her and facts to her she had never seen before. And I'm not saying you you changed her mind, but I think for the first time ever, she heard a a dissonant message as opposed to just the regime narrative. I would call what we just saw there a success. Yeah, so she actually started that interaction. She, I had my phone on a tripod filming and she came up to play Disney music into my phone so that I wouldn't be able to play back the recording. She said I would get a DMCA takedown, a copyright notice. Hmm. So this is what these activists are trying to do to stop people from showing their footage. They play a Disney song. But I talked to her for more than 30 minutes. So By the way, sure. I, don't, I don't think that that's what happens. I think that just demonetizes your your video. But it shows they're trying to cancel you. <laughs> but sorry, yeah, I interrupted you. So you certain. talked to her for half an hour, you say? Yeah, more than half an, an hour. She had all the same talking points. But at least she stayed and she listened. Half an and hour? That's like... For she, someone with... Go ahead. Yeah. For someone with that mindset, it's impossible in that moment for them to admit anything. Right. But you can see some of this nervous laughter. Yeah. So I know she goes home and she starts thinking about some of these things more. And she'll be but, Googling them and she'll be trying to refute yeah. what you said. No, if you spend half an hour with her, I mean, first of all, I salute you for your patience and, and your stamina. But second of all, that is more rebuttals that you have given to her than she will get anywhere else cumulatively in her entire life. Yeah. And the, the, benef the, the added bonus to this is that I put these video clips up on Twitter and they've been seen millions of times. Mm -hmm. So this is helping to educate people how to talk about this. I received a, I actually met a woman when I was in Milwaukee last week. She came to a talk I was giving and I, I talked to her late last year. She'd watched one of my videos from the University of Pennsylvania where a gay black man who had been giving me a very hard time, I challenged him to come and have a conversation with me. And to his credit, he did for 80 minutes. Hmm. And I put this whole conversation up on Twitter this woman's daughter had been identifying as a boy. She told me that she used a lot of the talking points from that video at the University of Pennsylvania 
to talk with her own daughter. And the good news is her daughter isn't identifying as a boy anymore. She's doing way better. So these videos I know always have, you know, added benefits that I'll never hear about usually yeah. down the road. Yeah. But it's a good combination, the street stuff combined with the internet. Well, you know, there's a Jewish saying, if you save one life, it's like you've saved the whole world. Because for that person, you have. So it sounds like, Chris, that story you told about that mom using your talking points is a huge success. You know, many years ago, I went to uh, Mexico and I went to one of the Aztec pyramids. And um, it's hard to believe that they sacrifice people on those pyramids, that they cut them open and pulled out their hearts. Um, if you've ever seen the shocking movie by Mel Gibson called Apocalypto, you can see his dramatization. Him, he's trying to show what would that have been like? What would it have been like to have hundreds of people sacrificed on a pyramid in some way? And, and we know in the past they had child sacrifice. And I don't know, I guess speaking for myself, I always thought, well, that's got to be apocryphal. That's got to be an exaggeration. That's got to be a figure of speech. Who would ever sacrifice a child? I, I, I always thought, no, that's just some mythologized dark history that can't be true. Like, I, I couldn't permit it in my own mind to be true. And I guess I came a little bit face to face with it when I was at those Aztec pyramids. And frankly, when I saw Apocalypto. But that's what's going on here. That's what's going on. The, perhaps the greatest taboo of all, sacrificing and destroying the innocence of youth, chopping children up, not cutting out their hearts like they did on the Aztec pyramids, not cutting out their hearts to kill them, but cutting off other body parts and hiding it from parents and dressing it up with some gobbledygook theories and philosophies and pseudoscience, we are reverting to a pre-history, pre-civilization madness and squalor and, and evil that, at least for me, it taps into some deep, latent fear of what the world was like, the madness before there was civilization. And I can't believe it's getting so much traction I just think it's absolute madness. I mean, it's madness when an adult uh, would engage in such a thing. But, but at least you could probably say, well, they're an adult. They're, they own their own body. And, you know, if they make a bad decision, that's on them. But the enormous focus on children here is what's so shocking. And that's what that gay man I'm referring to, the Gay Men's Network in London, said. Is He thought it was disgraceful, the, the chopping up of people. But what he could never get over was the focus on children. And, and that, that is the most stunning part of it. And that's the most brazen part of it. And that's, uh, I, I mean, I remember when the movie Tootsie and when drag queens were a curiosity, a niche part of gay culture it was sort of for show and it was dramatic and it was over there. And if people were involved with it, it was by choice. It wasn't an ideology being pressed on young children. I think we're in an, in an age of madness, Chris. Yes, I always say that human psychology never changes. And we think we're this advanced species now that we're so much better than our earlier selves from generations ago. But we're all the same. We just have more technology. 
look at what the Romans used to do. Look at what all these ancient cultures used to do. The Romans used to castrate kids. We're doing it again for a different purpose, but we're harming thousands of kids. As I said in that clip, she says it like it's no big deal. It's only thousands. Well, what I'm doing and what many people like yourself are doing is we're acting proactively so that tens of thousands doesn't turn into hundreds of thousands or even millions in the future. And thousands of children having their lives destroyed is a lot. It's tens of thousands of children on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. These are sterilizing kids. They've cut off the breasts of thousands of girls. As young as 12 years old, this is being done. One girl's suing. She was 13 in grade eight. Her name's Layla Jane. Armit Dillon, who ran for the head of the RNC, she's her lawyer. Yeah. Um, this is a, just is just total abuse. It's madness. So I can barely we need talk good about people these to speak things. Up. I can barely hear yeah. some of these things. I, you know, the surgeries that are done are so astonishing. It really, I, I hate to say it, but it reminds me of the grotesque experiments done by. Dr. Joseph Mengele, the Nazi angel of death in Auschwitz, um, on on largely Jewish concentration camp inmates, the absolutely atrocious, immoral, amoral violence for political delight. That's what I think of when I see what they're doing to children, the surgeries. Chris, it's terrible to talk about, but we have to talk about it because if it's terrible to talk about, imagine what it's like to go through it, either as a targeted child or as their shocked and sad families. Folks, I'd like to invite you to follow Chris on Twitter, where it's very interesting to watch these interactions. His Twitter handle is simply Billboard Chris. And Chris, I'm delighted that you've teamed up with the Leadership Institute to go on tour. I should tell you that when I was... uh, very young in my first year of university, I attended a Leadership Institute uh, conference, and it actually set me on the path I'm on for life, the political activism. I credit the Leadership Institute more than any other factor. And so you're in good hands if they're the same now as they were 30 years ago. And um, getting you on on tour will be outstanding. Um, What can I say other than keep up the fight, don't lose courage, you know, I I have nothing but praise for what you're doing, and I think you are saving lives. So thanks very much for doing it. Thank you so much, Ezra. I, pre- I appreciate it greatly. And September 22nd, I've got a big protest outside a couple schools in the Toronto area. So people can check that out on my Twitter as well. Thank you very much. I'm glad you mentioned that because I had forgotten. September 22nd, we will be there with reporters to cover it. Give us just one more sentence about what that is. Where is it going to be located and what's the program? Uh, There's two schools. One is the Annunciation Catholic School. The name of the other one escapes me right now, but they're right beside each other. And literally, this is just a way for us to express our disapproval for gender ideology being taught in schools. We shouldn't be teaching children that they might have been born in the wrong body. And this is happening. This indoctrination is happening online. And it's happening in schools. Is it we happening in that so much Catholic about... school? Sounds like one of those schools is a Catholic school. Is it happening there? It's happening in the entire Catholic school board where Josh Alexander got kicked out of. This is this young student activist. He's 18 now, but he wasn't able to graduate high school because he was kicked out of his Catholic school for standing up for some girls who didn't want boys in the bathroom. What does the Pope have to say about that? I mean, surely, surely 
I mean, look, I, I'm not Catholic myself, and I, this pope is known as a liberal pope, but has he said anything about puberty blockers and gender reassignment surgery? From what I've seen, I don't know if he's talked about it a lot, but I have seen him speak out against this gender ideology business. Well, yeah, I think he should Canada. excommunicate a few uh, Catholic yeah. school principals to, to bring him back in line. If a Catholic school 100%. is behind this, it's, a, it's shocking. Oh, it's everywhere. I hear about this in Burnaby, British Columbia, Catholic school there where kids were being taught this. It's absolutely everywhere. So it depends on the teacher you get. The number one thing parents should be doing at the start of the year, which we're about to start, is talk to your teacher. Say you are not okay with your child being taught anything to do with gender. And if you hear about it being taught to your child, these teachers are going to have a problem. Because one thing teachers and principals hate is complaints from parents. And a lot of them teach this just, they don't even understand it themselves, but they teach it. So as soon as you make a fuss about it, they're much less likely to talk, to teach it to your children. All right. Well, there you have it. Feature interview with Billboard Chris, one of the bravest men around. Thank you. And thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks, Cesar. Appreciate it. All right. There you have it. Well, what a topic, eh? I, I don't understand why that's the battle of our age, but it is. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom.